I really believe that in order to believe in yourself, you need to love yourself enough. And this self-love is probably one of the biggest lessons, if not my main big lesson that I've learned in experiencing this disease in my body. Because for one, I had to believe that it's my turn to take care of myself, that the world is a better place with me in it than without. And to believe that means you love yourself enough and that you believe that you're a good person. Your inner voice has been drowned out by the noise around you, but you've always had a deep desire to make a difference. And now you're ready to step into your greatness and develop the identity you need to build towards your ultimate goal. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Making the world a better place by unleashing human potential will help you create your own reality by increasing your self-awareness, cultivating an unstoppable mindset, and finally finding the passion, purpose, and true self so that you can live the life you are always destined to live. Now, welcome your host, a lifelong learner and growth mindset savant, a former architect turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Tibor Notch. What is up, Mindset Nation? Welcome back to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My guest today is Veronica Villanueva, who discovered her why after being diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer in 2016. She knows she is alive today to share grace, blessings, and the lessons that cancer has taught her. Her quote-unquote incurable disease gave her the gift of knowing herself, loving herself, and sharing herself with others in a profound way. Through her work as a trained cordon bleu chef and certified health coach, Veronica aims to inspire others to embrace a holistic lifestyle built on a commitment to growth, eating healthy foods, taking the time to create memorable moments, and of course, fostering loving relationships. At the beginning of today's episode, we talk about Veronica's incredible story and healing journey of how she survived a quote-unquote incurable metastatic stage 4 lung cancer. In the middle of the episode, we talk about Veronica's amazing book, The Grace of Cancer, Lessons in Humility and Greatness, and we dive deeper into topics such as self-belief, self-love, the power of your mind, finding purpose, and the biggest lessons Veronica learned from her healing journey. Closer to the end of the episode, Veronica shares tools and practices that can help people cultivate a positive mindset, even in times of adversity and uncertainty. If you want to find out more about today's guest and check out the free resources, book recommendations, and detailed show notes, simply head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. You can also use the search bar on our website where you can simply type in Veronica Villanueva to find the episode's show notes page. And so Mindset Nation, without any further ado, Let's welcome today's guest. Hi, Veronica, and welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Thank you. Hi, Tibor, and thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to, to hear more about your story. I was inspired when I uh, went through your website. I mean, I'm honored. I'm honored to have you on. And so you also discovered your why after being diagnosed with stage 4 cancer in 2016, you survived, thank God. So you're alive today to share grace, blessings, and the lessons that cancer has taught you. And so I am really, really curious. And um, where did it all begin for you, this this journey? So before you were diagnosed, so to speak. Yes. Um, I think, first of all, 
I'm so happy that you're intrigued by this, by, by my story. I think everyone should be intrigued because cancer is such a, um, a mean disease. And I'm sure it's one of the things that we don't want to ever hear anyone tell us that you have that disease. So um, I think you're one of many that wants to hear from me, especially that I'm alive, you know, and what I did, despite all these doctors telling me that I'm not supposed to be here you know, beyond six months. So where did it all start? I think it didn't start when I was diagnosed. Um, Unfortunately, it started, um, you know, while I was married. I stayed married for a very long time, for over two decades, when I think that I should have left, you know, well before the first decade um, ended. Mm. But um, I've had three children with my ex-husband, and I really, really believed in my, in my heart that um, I made the commitment to have my children, and it is my responsibility. And because I do, I'm such a loyal person, and I love my children, you know, God, mm, yeah. and I, I don't want to say to death, but I do love them so much that I really believe that I was supposed to wait. And until they started college, until my last child started college, and then that's when I can listen Mm. to what it is that I need to become happy. Um, I wasn't happy while I was married. I mean, I wasn't, you know, happy after seven years. Um, And um, it just kept getting worse and worse. And um, but I stayed married because once again, you know, my culture is that a woman stays and people would not understand why I, why I wasn't happy when I had almost everything. I had a pic, you know, a perfect picture of a life mm-hmm. in front of mm-hmm. everyone. Um, you know, in fact, a lot of people even saw us as, you know, the perfect diplomats, the two, the couple that can mm-hmm. pull it off because everyone, I mean, even our best friends did not suspect anything which is crazy mm. when you think about it. Yeah. So wow. my ex-husband and I really perfected and mastered, you know, being deceitful, I guess. Um, there's no sugarcoating what we did, um, including, to you know, ourselves and to our children that um, we have this great life, which we, you know, again, superficially, we had a beautiful home, large home. He's, was inc- he's incredibly successful. He's a venture capitalist. Uh, our three children are, you know, incredibly successful. Um, my daughters mm-hmm. are in New York. They're thriving. One went to Stanford. One went to NYU. My son is in Denver. And wow. my ex-husband, like I said, was a very, and still is a very successful venture capitalist. And mm. you know, I stayed home. I decided to stay home. I fell in love with my daughter when she was born, and I couldn't leave her. And back then, there was no cell phone. Um, so the idea of leaving her was just not an option. And, um, although I went to UC Berkeley, saw a lot of my very good friends, you know, climb the corporate ladder while I was home nursing at four (laughs) o'clock, still in my (laughs) So, I mean, that's not what made, that's not what created unhappiness in my life. I think it was just that, you know, my ex-husband and I were just very different people and we did not have the intimacy that I needed to thrive and I needed in, you know, where I felt like my marriage needed and for Mm -hmm. me to be happy. And, um, it was all about the children. And, um, and I did that to myself because I wanted to give them everything that I did not have 
when I was their age. Yeah. And yeah. I worked so hard um, being a, this perfect mom that, you know, my body kept track of it. Um, and at the end, I paid for it for not loving myself enough to take care of myself, um, you know, the mm -hmm. correct way, the authentic way, and not by shopping, not by masking. Um, and um, sure enough, as soon as um, my children, my last one went to college, um, we went ahead. I asked for the divorce to continue, and that's when the deceit, you know, started. That's when I realized that he had been pre-strategizing our divorce all these years while I, you know, was unprepared, um, we were both leading each other to believe that we're going to have the best divorce. That, I, In fact, the book I thought I was going to be writing would be like, you know, mm -hmm. how to divorce in such an elegant and loving way. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought I had. You know, we were teaching our children to, you know... Mm. Although a marriage that's not working, it doesn't have to deteriorate. It doesn't have to end so uh, destructively. So that mm. was my goal, and I thought that was his goal. But no, they are receiving a different lesson, that's for sure. So yeah. Yeah. that added stress of the divorce. But I think what really got me, you know, what did it for me was this betrayal. You know, mm. I believed in us having this amicable divorce. And then when I realized that he had pre-strategized, kept all, I mean, text and email from 10 years ago. How do you even print or save a text, let alone um, print them? I mean, I was so ill-prepared. I had nothing to show to any of my attorneys because I was so yeah. naive. <laughs> um, well. At 50 years old, I just thought, what happened here? How could I have been so blind? And I thought, you know, I think I really, you know, hurt myself even more by thinking how stupid I was. I'm a very mm -hmm. smart person, yet I was so stupid in picking the wrong person to marry to have done something like that, that I could never imagine. So my health deteriorated as soon as I realized that he had pre-strategized the divorce. I went on study mode. Um, I started digging, <laughs> digging and researching what it is that I can, you know, show my attorneys. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. I just, you know, I just hyper focus and weeks mm -hmm. of not eating really. I mean, just like coffee and cookies and Tootsie Rolls were my, my, my food. Yeah. Even yeah. though before I was, you know, I'm healthy because I went to Cordon Bleu in Paris. Um, I've always cooked. So Nutrition was never an issue for me, except when I was going through a divorce. And that was December of 2015. And by February of 2016, I was already having back pains. And I went to my acupuncture. Um, <laughs> and she told me that, V, be careful, that's your lung. Go get it checked. I'm like, no, it's tennis, because I played a lot of tennis. I competed playing tennis. And ignored it. And six months later, I was diagnosed, seven months later, I was diagnosed with stage four metastatic incurable lung cancer. Wow. And then, and then it just went, I mean, you know, it went downhill and then it went uphill <laughs> quite rapidly.
Yeah, yeah. So uh, first off, I, I, I really appreciate you sharing all of this, right? So with me and with the listeners. And uh, yeah, this would have been one of my questions, like what were the symptoms? Like I was just wondering, you know, stage four cancer. So there was no signs for uh, stage two, three or or other stages like, you know, so uh, didn't you recognize anything else? Just a back pain basically and then you went? Yeah. So February was when I started experiencing the back pain, as I said. And then mm-hmm. soon I went to Mexico and came. I I got sick while I was on vacation, um, mm-hmm. and never fully recovered from that. Um, I was always tired, and I'm not one to be tired. I have so much energy, and um, and then I saw myself kind of deteriorate where I couldn't even. I had to stay seated. I was losing my breath and I was coughing a lot, dry cough. And Mm -hmm. I remember speaking to my best friend who was living in um, the Bay Area. And she's like, if you don't go to the doctor, I'm going to fly over there. I was already living in um, L.A. and also Palm Springs and to the doctor. And I said, I promise, I promise. I was in the middle of moving from the desert Mm -hmm. to, um, to L.A. And I remember saying, yeah, no, no, I really have to go because every day I feel worse and worse. I didn't really have any other symptoms, but weakness. And like I said, coughing and breathless. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, okay, I'm really stressed. I'm really tired. Um, And then sure enough, um, September, in the middle of the night, I, um, I felt I couldn't breathe. I woke up in the middle of the night um, around two-ish and I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't breathe. What's wrong with me? And every time I moved, I felt like there was I, I, like I, I, I felt like I was in a waterbed. I don't know if you've ever experienced being in a waterbed. Uh, <laughs> no. You're too, young to, uh, <laughs> you're too young to know what it is. I remember my mom <laughs> having a waterbed. And I felt like I had water in me. I'm like, wow, I drank so much water that I can actually hear and feel it. And I didn't realize wow. that I drove myself at 4 a.m. at the hospital, basically mm-hmm. crawled my way into the hospital because, wow, you take for granted mm-hmm. what is required from you when you take steps or even to just open your mouth. You have to, you have to be able to breathe. And I couldn't. And I remember in my bed thinking, you better hurry up and get up because if you don't, you are not going to make it to the hospital. You may actually pass away in bed because I would stop breathing. And the moment I thought of that, trust me, I found a way to get up because I was struggling. I could not just sit up and, and, and stand up. No, I had to roll, fall off my bed and literally, you know, push my, I mean, thank God I was my, my arms were physically strong that I stood up Mm. and then got dressed quickly, went to the hospital. And that's when I found out that I had 1.6 1.6 liter of fluids in my right lung. Well, there you go. That's yeah. why I was <laughs> hearing all that water yeah. because it's yeah. like, yeah. just imagine you're in Europe, you know, a, a, a badois or an Evian bottle, um, you know, yeah. that, that much water inside my right lung. And wow. the doctors were quite surprised that I didn't have, you know, first an, a, a heart attack, second, mm. my right lung collapsing with all that fluid in my body. And, wow. um, you know, I mean, 
I don't know if you've had much experience in the U.S., but, you know, the doctors are very careful about di- giving you a diagnose um, until mm-hmm. they get all the results. But my emergency doctor was so beautiful. She was, I think she was from her accent, I think she was Australian, and she was mm-hmm. so compassionate. I remember hugging she, her hugging me and saying, I, I said it, sweetie, you have cancer. I was like, I, I couldn't even really react because reacting meant breathing. Um, wow. Crying meant breathing. Yeah. So I yeah. couldn't, I didn't cry. I, I think that explains why I didn't have that much emotion in the beginning because mm-hmm. it required so much breathing from me and I couldn't do that. Yeah. And I realized yeah. that. And because I, I thought, why am I so much more emotional now than before? Yeah. And yeah. I just couldn't. Um, I didn't have the strength to be emotional in a way. Mm. I didn't have well. the breath required to be emotional. So um, they told me I had to stay in the hospital, of course, and wheeled me into my room. And that's where I was received by five doctors waiting. I was a mystery mm. patient because my blood work all came back somewhat normal, except for this mysterious fluid in my wrong, lung and, you know, and just me not being able to breathe. So what I wanted to mention, um, so you talked about, the, you know, uh, sadness and suppression and stress. So I suppose, or I assume that you reflected on what happened and you figured that your thoughts could have made you sick, which you talk about in the book, because you talk a lot about mind and body connection, like how our thoughts can influence our um, well-being and and vice versa, right? So you you have this holistic approach, which is which is really, really great. So if someone goes through the book, like it's it's so many things in there. So it's it's a really, really uh, useful book and people can just read one chapter if they're interested in uh, healthy eating or maybe uh, belief. So there, there are many topics there. So would you talk to us a little bit more about this, the, the power of the mindset, so to speak? So you talk about positive and growth-focused mindset, like after the diagnose, basically, like how could you cultivate this positive mindset to go further and despite all these adversities? And people might experience this today because of the coronavirus. They might feel anxious or worry about, worried about the future, um, what will happen with their lives and so forth. So how can they or what can they learn from you today? First of all, thank you for recognizing that the book can be read in any order because that was my intention. Um, you don't need to yeah. from the beginning to the end. Um, you can turn to whichever chapter is applicable to where you are or where you're, you know, what you're ready for. So um, I'm glad to hear that because that is one of the feedbacks that I would, you know, want to hear from my readers. Um, yeah. You, but, but to answer your question about believing, um, in fact, I have that um, tattooed on my back um, when I mm-hmm. went to Bali. And um, well, you know, first of all, the belief in your decision is important to heal, right? So mm-hmm. your body believes what your mind is telling it. You know, your belief, your thoughts become your reality. And I, under- 
And I, I understood that very quickly because mm-hmm. I was on the tennis court when I remember hearing from my son and my realizing that I had suppressed all these emotions um, because I did not want it to come out because I didn't want people to see that my life wasn't perfect in a way, right? Mm-hmm. As much as I was unhappy, yeah. I wanted to be, you know, it's not that I wanted to be envied. It's just that I was such a perfectionist in every way, you know, in the way that I raised my children, in the way people perceive my ex-husband and I, and in the way people per- perceive me, right? I mean, how can a woman who has everything um, be unhappy? Yeah. I would almost look like I'm so unappreciative. But again, you don't know until you're actually in that situation. So I really believe that there has to be a way for people to understand that your body listens to your mind. Mm. And um, I really believe that in order to believe in yourself, you need to love yourself enough. And this self-love is, you know, probably one of the biggest lessons, if not my main big lesson that I've learned in experiencing this disease in my body. Because for one, I had to believe that it's my turn to take care of myself, that I have that the world is a better place with me in it than without. And to believe that means you love yourself enough and that you believe that you're a good person. So I really do believe that I'm a good person and that I am meant to be here helping people. And so this whole idea that I had to believe that I'm meant to be given this disease to learn Skills, lessons, you know, experience grace um, to reinforce my, you know, belief in myself and Mm -hmm. belief in, you know, everything will be fine. Um, You know, and I don't know if you, I love Greek philosophers and, you know, there's um, amor fati is uh, Latin and it means to just love life the way it is, you know, embrace life as it is. And so to your point about the coronavirus and to me, let's substitute, you know, coronavirus with cancer, the grace of the coronavirus. In fact, Mm -hmm. I talk about that in my post. What is up, Mindset Nation? I hope you guys are enjoying today's episode and we're going to get back to this conversation very soon after thanking to our sponsors. As a mission and impact-driven entrepreneur, thought leader, visionary, and changemaker, have you ever thought of increasing your online visibility, building credibility, and scaling your impact and business by starting your own podcast? If you've answered this question with hell yeah, now this is your chance. According to Edison Research in the US, podcasting is one of the fastest growing medium. So if you're ready to start your own podcast, build credibility, and scale your impact and business, I have good news for you. I launch a 12-week group coaching program every single month with four people where I teach how to start your own epic podcast from scratch, build credibility, and scale your online presence and business. In order for you to see that podcasting is something that you want to start, I provide a 30-minute free discovery call where we can see if podcasting is something that can help you scale your brand and business. 
You can book a free discovery call with me at mindsethorizon.com forward slash free call. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash free call. Or simply shoot me an email at tibor at mindsethorizon.com. That's T-I-B-O-R, tibor at mindsethorizon.com. So Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's get back to today's Mindset Transforming Conversation. And I understand a lot of people are really suffering from what's going on, and it's very sad. But for someone mm-hmm. like myself who have gone through such an incredible experience, this yeah. has really allowed me to interpret this coronavirus so differently than m- most people. Mm-hmm. I really believe that there's a lesson in the coronavirus. There's grace, and I'm seeing it around. If you choose to see that, right? If you choose, yeah. because you do have a choice in what you feed, not only your body, but what you, you feed your mind. And it's, I protect my mind so much because I don't ever, because I know my body's listen, listening and I don't ever want it to ever be stressed. So you're so right. Um, along with the, uh, the, the, the belief in loving myself and that I am a better, I, I am a good person. I knew that I wasn't being punished by having this disease. I knew that it, I, I had to receive it as a, as a gift. And so it's important for everyone to understand that, you know, it, it's sad. The coronavirus is, is, is here and it's for the first time in our lives. I mean, I'm 52 and I have never experienced a period in my life where we needed to isolate ourselves and that we're not as free as we used to be. Um, It's almost like our freedom has been taken away. And secondly, you know, this virus actually, because of the, you know, isolating, you need to isolate yourself. You, you can't even be with your loved ones if that person is sick. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. you know, if a husband and wife and if the wife or the husband gets sick, that person has to drive himself to the hospital by her by himself. Right. Because I, I know because I had a client that that's you know, that's what happened. And for the first time, we're going to we have to take we had we have to learn to take care of ourselves. We can't rely mm-hmm. on other people to do that. And we have to look inward and rely on our what we have. And it actually exposes what we're lacking. And hopefully people are working towards acquiring some of these skills that is necessary to thrive after the coronavirus is over. You know, this is a bad time for people to actually learn some lessons and acquire some skills. Because as a society, it's probably one of the few times recently that we are having to go through such a struggle and mm-hmm. it exposes your weaknesses and it also exposes your strength. And those who don't have that strength and who don't have that mindset have to, I hope, will, you know, be aware of that and will want to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. So what I wanted to, it's, it's, it's really, really uh, useful. And what I was wondering, like this situation and your experience can lead to asking bigger, better questions, maybe uh, discovering purpose, discovering why. So you talk about this in the book that your experience with the cancer basically exposed 
you to your to discovering your why. And so I wanted to ask you to to walk us through this journey and also the book like after having been diagnosed, you made a choice and you talk about this like, you know, choosing to believe, choosing courage and and choosing life. So how was this unfolding for you and then the journey basically? Well, I think that you have to take responsibility for like for me, I had to take responsibility for my part in what I was going through. Mm. And my my responsibility in that was I stayed in a marriage that was I should have left a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, your body keeps track of what happens to you, especially in your mind. And um, I had to believe as soon as I received my diagnosis that I wanted to live. I knew that mm-hmm. there was more for me to do here. And I believed that. I had no doubt. And I also believed I'm a good person. And I had no doubt. Um, yes, yes. I couldn't doubt that, you know. So I, I didn't see it as a punishment. I didn't see it as bad karma, you know. Um, I saw it as, okay, I have work to do. Um but it's imperative for any healing to happen, including the coronavirus, for all of us to believe that this will pass. This is part of life. You know, this is part of something bigger than us. You know, mm-hmm. and I had to believe that, okay, this happened to me directly, but this is not about me. This is about me acquiring the skills or sharpening, I should say, because I have had my life has I've had a very, very tough life when I think about it Um, that Mm. prepared me. And thank God I'm appreciative of my tough life because it's because of my tough life that I was able to build my muscle of resilience, my muscle of Mm. determination. And because of this, I'm. I was able to look at what happened to me, my diagnosis, even my prognosis, and use that to fuel my motivation to live even more and to fine-tune the reasons why I want to live. So after having gone through the disease and healing myself, I mean, you can't heal yourself from the same environment, right? So you have to redesign or create a new environment for you to thrive and to heal. And that's Mm -hmm. when I realized that, you know, this is not just about me. This is about me healing myself so that I can heal other people from cancer or from any unfulfilled and unhappy life that they're experiencing, like myself, to help people discover their own whys and live a purposeful life where they are being their best version. Because that's what I learned by having this disease, is living my authentic life realizing that this is bigger than me and that someone up there really believes in me and gave me the courage to really heal myself and to stand up to everyone that really was looking at me and saying, you have less than six months to live. Nobody gave me hope. I had to give myself hope. These are the kinds of things that you need to survive even the coronavirus the belief that things will be fine. This is part of life. I think what happens with us is that we've been quite spoiled by thinking life is always supposed to be rosy. Yeah. Right? And 
And that is so not true because life is full of duality. There's a left and a right, you know, there's up and down, there's darkness and light. And so we're going through a dark moment right now. So go along with the, you know, ride the wave. It's part of life. And that's when you realize, wow, there are really people who are not aware that this is part of life. And, you know, suffering is part of life. I mean, Buddha said that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, life is about suffering and you move on. After each suffering, there is an, there's, learn, the quicker you learn the lesson, the quicker mm. we can move on to something even better. So, and I feel that way about what's going on nowadays. And I felt that way when I was going through the disease is, wow, I felt like I realized the secret formula to living a free life. Yeah, uh, this is this is really, really great. And you mentioned environment. And I was wondering about some of your practices maybe that people can also do today. Like in the book, you mentioned meditation. Like, did you have some practices to to have this positive or nurture this positive mindset day by day? Would you recommend something to the listeners to, to do? Yes. Yeah, so um, the, you know, Veronica before cancer did not mm -hmm. meditate. Um, mm. I have to say my level of awareness was definitely not there. Um, I was more of a left brainer. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I reasoned, I thought yeah. I, I was in my head a lot. And then I realized that I wasn't activating the right side of my brain. And, it, you know, I've read up on that. And um, one of my favorite author actually is Daniel Pink. Um, he talks about the wow. whole mind as a whole. And I yeah. thought that's when I had an aha moment where I thought, wow, I forgot about my right brain. I forgot about my yeah. heart. So what are my daily practices that really, really keep me not only sane, um, especially during times like this, especially during the mm -hmm. time I had cancer? Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's not even just sane. It's just I feel so refreshed and so reset every day. Um, mm -hmm. So I do meditate. So when I wake up, I, I don't jump out of my bed. Um, I I've earned the right to stay in bed for a longer time since I had to get up at <laughs> for so many years with my kids. So I never left myself anymore in the morning. Um, and I stay in my bed. First thing I do in the morning is I thank God. I do a body scan where I feel like, okay, I feel really good. There's no aches and pain. Thank you, mm -hmm. God, for giving me another day. And you know, there's my gratitude right away. And then how, what can I do, please? I am open to receiving any downloads for you to, you know, give me direction and guidance as to what I'm supposed to do to help other people today. And um, as soon as I'm done with that, I, you know, I journal and I meditate and I, mm. in, in my shower, I stretch, um, mm. eat and, you know, I, I drink and then I do something for my body after that. You know, I always, I love my mind, especially in the morning and late at night. Um, I think knowing how your mind and your brain works is key. Um, wow. Knowing how you can get the best out of your mind and yeah. knowing also that you have nothing to give and that you're so depleted is just as important knowing how much you can give. Yeah, that's really amazing. So I also have a morning routine and I really 
like this, how my mind works in the morning and how easily I can get into flow states where I have these ideas coming up. And that's that's a really inspirational routine for me uh, at the very beginning of the day. So um, what I wanted to mention is your book is called The Grace of Cancer, Lessons in Humility and Greatness. And so I wanted to ask you about the the chapter. So when someone decides to read the book, what are some of the key takeaways um, that you talk about in the book? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, um, despite, and I tell this to a lot of people, listen with intently what your diagnosis. Know exactly what kind of disease, what kind of cancer you have. It's very important mm-hmm. for you to educate yourself on that. But beyond that, whatever the doctor tells you, the prognosis, this is when you stop listening because your mind keeps track of what it hears. And if your doctor is telling you you have six months to live, you've now just absorbed that. You don't want to absorb anything like that in your body. Mm-hmm. So the second thing I want to point out is Cancer is not a death sentence. It doesn't have to be. And that's where I believe people really, because the the mental default right now is towards that, right? As soon as you hear cancer, you think this person is going to die. Well, I'm here alive to prove you wrong. (laughs) (laughs) If that's not... Wow, thank God, right? (laughs) If that is not a proof... I don't know what is. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And so good. Yes. And the book tells you how I did it. And so mm-hmm. I want to remind everyone, and it's not just cancer, and it's not just coronavirus. You get to choose. Do not disempower yourself and give that away. There's very few things in life that you can control. And this is one of them. You still get to choose to believe what the doctor tells you or not. And my advice to you is don't believe it. And I'm standing right here to tell you, don't believe it. Believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me. Life is beautiful after you go through such a disease. If you see it as a gift, as your grace to be a better person, physically, mentally, and heart. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's freedom. freedom. When you know nobody can mess with your mind, Mm. that's your superpower. I can stand in front of anybody. There is no way. (laughs) Yeah. There is no way I can be ever brainwashed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's scary. That's scary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you know you can't rattle somebody because they're just just really found that peace and they know what they're able to do and they protect mm-hmm. it. I mean, I, that is you probably are in front of one of the most dangerous person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because I'm not I'm fearless because I recognize fear. Again, amor fati, fear is part of life. The same way as this excitement, the same way, you know, it's all kinds of different emotions. And to me, I see fear as a way to be 
a better person when you face it. Push through that fear. Let me tell you, you're going to come out of that tunnel. Patting yourself in the back saying, whoa, I did that. Awesome. Move on. You know? So when I see fear, when I see challenges, I say, bring it on because I know I'm going to be a better person after it because I know yeah. the lessons behind it. And I'm eager to learn. That's the humility. Wow. When I say humility, lessons in humility and greatness, I know nothing. I thought I did. I thought I knew a lot of things. Mm. I, I wake up every morning thinking, I know nothing. What else can I learn today? Wow. That's really the growth mindset, you know, at work. So that's really incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that lifelong learning and growing, right? Yeah. No, and I, 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 you're, you're so right, Tibor, because I, I think if people just protect their mind and protect or understand the power they have mm. and, or the lack of control that they have outside of themselves, they would spend the time that they want to control other things, other events, other people, and sharpen their own ways to control their mind, mm. their actions, what they feed their yeah. body, and how they live. That is a full-time job in itself if you want to master it. And trust me, I have a master PhD on that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. And I wanted to make sure that we talk about how you can be of service to people. So what can they find on your website? Where can they go to learn more about you and all these things? So Tibor, I wrote my book um, because yeah. I was given the gift of life, not only the life that I wanted, but even more. It's funny how I thought I create, I thought I had this vision of what an incredible life I would like, but someone else up there had a better idea of what that life should look like. And I am so pleased that he gave me even a better life than I had dreamed of. And what better way, and I'm sure you feel that each time you put your head on your pillow, is knowing that you can help other people. Um, that is my mission. And wow. the same way I was given the gift of my life, this book to me is a gift that I'm giving to everyone out there who is ready to listen who wants to change um, because whatever it is, the life that they have isn't serving them if they're not thriving. So this book, I hope you agree with me, it's not just for people with cancer. It's also people who want to prevent disease in their body and who also are um, sleepwalking through life and who needs to yeah. remember that they're, they have a pulse, <laughs> a pulse. Yeah. Yeah, that they can be thriving, and and I am just reminding people. Listen, I went through hell. I was at the very bottom of a ditch, and here I am today, laughing. And even I've never been this happy. True happiness, the simple things in life. So wow. my mission is to help as many people as possible. And if you go to my website, there are so many gifts. I plan, I, I want, if I can give everything away, I would. <laughs> I really would because I feel like I've, you know, cracked the secret code, the secret formula to like how to have this beautiful and thriving and just very free life, you know, that is very yeah. loving at the same time. And so if you go to my website, I hope that that's the feeling, first of all, that you get when you're in my website. It's my home. 
And then there are so many complimentary and valuable gifts that I give to people, like how to create your mantra, directions like like how to, you know, eat well, what is inflammation, recipes, because as you know, I'm a cordon bleu chef from Paris as well. So there yeah. are so many valuable, you know, things that you can download that I give as a gift to everyone because I want to share my gift. I really believe I am a gift. And yeah. everything I do, you know, I want to be able to share that. All my wow. knowledge, all my experience, it's not meant for me to keep. I think it's a crime if I do that. And I am, yeah. I'm, I guess I am recruiting other people like myself. And I want, you know, I, I, I know that I'm not the only one out there. And I want to find you, if you, listeners, if you, you know, are going through what I had gone through, please contact me. I want to hear your story. I want to create a community. I want to change the conversation around cancer. Let's not just talk about and reveal to people the statistics of people dying. I want to talk about the same way left and right. Remember, there's duality in life. Let's talk about Doctors talk about the statistics of people actually surviving this disease. What about yeah. that? What about that idea? So I can only have those type of conversations when I know that there's other people out there who have the same story as me, who are allowed yeah. to tell their story. And it's yeah. time to all share that because people need to hear our story. So my website, and then I also, um, I just started um, being active on um, social media. So Facebook, it's my name, Veronica Villanueva. And my website is my name, veronicavillanueva.com. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Instagram is um, my favorite, badass belief coach. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I've seen it. Love it. <laughs> um, and... A lot of people have told me I've gained the whole badass, so I'm, I'll take that anyway. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. yeah, no, I think people are excited, and I, I have to tell you, I'm my book. When I'm asked what my you know success looks like, or what does success look like to to me, is people yeah, like yeah. you telling me that you can read my book in any order, you know, because. I've had, in fact, I wrote this, I wrote all kinds of stuff in my journal where I thought, what would I like people to hear? What would I, if I met someone who read my book, what would I want them to say about my book? And to me, the biggest compliment is when somebody said, says to me, I felt like I spent the afternoon with you when I read your book. Wow. Oh my wow. gosh. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, totally, that's the essence of Veronica is yeah. quality time over an incredible meal, a healthy meal. That's who I am. You know, it's sacred wow. conversations like what we're having right now. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I love it. And thank you so much for sharing. The links are going to be in the show notes so people can find it on the website, mindsethorizon.com. And yeah, so I am. I feel honored to be part of your journey and support your mission and Thank you so much for being on the show. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And if there's anything that you and I can collaborate on and, and, and spread the message and spread the awareness, which I believe is so critical, especially today, um, um, you know, it becomes yeah. our responsibility, right? It's a privilege and a responsibility, um, you know, to help people 
um, yeah. walk the path that you and I have walked. Yeah, um, I feel the same. Yeah, and, and especially now, absolutely, this positivity that is, you know, and 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 remind people, remind mm-hmm. people that this is going to be over soon too. You know, the only thing we're guaranteed in life is change, yeah. and so there is no way that we are going to continue in this um, pandemic coronavirus. But it is here in the moment to teach us some lessons. So the mm. quicker we learn those lessons, the quicker we can go ahead and turn the page. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful as said. Bigger, better questions. Why am I here? <laughs> What's my purpose? So, right. yeah. And, yeah. And it's like, it's, you know, Mark Twain talks about that. You know, the two most important days in your life is the day you're born and the day you realize your purpose. But I want to add wow. to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to add to that. It's also not, not only knowing your purpose, but knowing how to get everyone else to know their purpose, helping them oh. along the way of guiding them. It's almost taking their hand and saying, No worries. I figured out mine. I know how it feels. Let me walk you through that path. And you're not alone because there's all these incredible people that are going to help your journey. Wow. This is um, incredible. Thank you so much for sharing these things. And uh, again, Veronica, thank you so much for, for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Mindset Horizon podcast. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, be sure to head to our website, MindsetHorizon.com, where you'll also have the ability to join the Mindset Nation community for more insight and empowerment to help you reach your full potential. That's all available exclusively on MindsetHorizon.com.